Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the podcast. We're picking up the Ask Carrie feature, which we did a few times in our first year, year and a half of the podcast. And we are going to do six of them between today and next Tuesday when the regular podcast drops. And why do we want to do this? Because you guys always have questions, man. I love your questions. And these are all questions that have been left via SpeakPipe, which is a little widget on my blog. If you're ever visited on your desktop, you'll see it there. And uh, we've got literally dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds actually of voicemail messages that we've gotten. And so I'm working through some of them over the next few days. And so every day for the next six days, a 30 minute Ask Carrie bonus episode like this is going to pop up uh, on your feed. And we hope it's helpful to you. I've kept it a little bit shorter than our usual episodes because I know people's commute time isn't that long. And we've got our usual episode coming up, uh, well, yesterday and then again next Tuesday. So anyway, hey, thanks to all of you who make this podcast so great. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for sharing it on social media. Thank you for the feedback you guys give. And now it's a chance, I think, to give something back to you again, which is uh, some answers to the questions that you've been asking about leadership. So we're going to start today with uh, Chris. Chris McNaughton called in. And Chris, here's your question. Hi, Karen. My name is Chris, and uh, I'm actually a youth pastor transitioning into a lead pastor role. Uh, in October, I am going to be starting at a church called Church of the Falls in Niagara Falls, Canada, just a few short hours uh, from you. And uh, we are going to be in a bit of a rebuilding phase of, of the church's life. And I think God has lots of great things planned for it. Um, but I'd love to learn uh, from you, certainly from your early years, some of the uh, mistakes you made, as well as some of the highlights. I've read your book, uh, Leading change without losing it, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about the early years or maybe even how you would do things differently if you were to start a, a new church today. Anyway, thank you so much for, for your time and for all you do. Chris, thanks so much for that. And a shout out to everybody in Niagara Falls. And let me give uh, all of you who are going to visit Niagara Falls a little local knowledge tip because that is close to my house. I'm a Canadian. Um, you will come over to Canada, I assume, to see the falls because that's sort of the view everybody takes pictures of. Uh, and Niagara Falls is amazing. But the jewel you need to never miss is a little town 30 minutes down the road called Niagara on the Lake. And it's just this charming little Victorian village, uh, beautiful, especially in the off season when there aren't as many people there. But you would miss it if you didn't know. So there's a bit of local knowledge. If you ever go to Niagara Falls or next time you go, make sure you don't miss Niagara on the Lake just down the road. And I'm sure Chris would agree with that. So Chris, one of the reasons I wanted to start with your question is it's probably one of the most frequently asked questions I get. What would you do differently if you were starting over again? And I think to be honest, I would probably do a lot of it the same way. Now, I definitely made some mistakes. I'm going to get there. But, um, you know, I'm real happy with what God has done. And we saw some incredible growth and, and families reached and churches transformed. So let me go back into that space and tell you what I would do the same. So first of all, I, I would do what I did the first time, which is to start with a very clear mission, vision, and strategy. Now, 
The mission wasn't as clear as it is today. It's not as beautifully articulated. It's not as succinct. But I mean, I realized we needed a mission, a vision, and a strategy. And we developed it together. We actually created like this guiding coalition of elders and then up and coming leaders called it the vision team. And we put it together because I was learning and they were learning. And the churches where I started 21 years ago were really small. Average attendance of six at one, 14 at the second, and 23 at the third. And so... I mean, we had nowhere to go but up, but we knew we needed a, a clear mission, vision, and strategy because none existed. And our strategy was pretty simple and pretty base at the time. It was like, go out and reach people, you know, but man, it works. And we knew we had to change our music and we knew we had to change our governance and we knew we had to change a bunch of things because the old way had gotten us to where we were at that point. And so we put together a five-year plan to transition everything from being a very traditional church in that moment to, at the time, we called it a fully contemporary church. That sounds so antiquated now, but that's what we did. And we made the transition over five years. I knew if we did it overnight, we'd blow the place up. If it happened over 10 years, it would probably never happen. We thought five years was a, a reasonable time frame, so that's what we did. And, and the thing that's why it's so important to have mission, vision, and strategy is that mission and vision unite, but strategy divides. So mission and vision gives, gives a why and a what. It gives a, oh, that's why we're doing it right. We want to reach people. We don't want to make this all about ourselves. Um, we want to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. We get that. But the strategy can be divisive because when you change the music and you know, we sold our buildings within the first five years and they were 100-year-old, beautiful stained glass buildings. I mean, that's divisive. Um, but the mission and the vision unite people even when there are divisive things on the table. And so by, you know, having a clear strategy, but also coming back to the mission and vision, you know, by the grace of God, we did that. I would also strongly emphasize families and kids. I didn't know anything about Orange at the time, even though we're an Orange church now. Actually, when I started in 1995, there was another church starting in Atlanta, Georgia called North Point. And they were developing the, what would become the Orange Strategy. So, I mean, that was really important. What would I do differently? Um, I would probably get leadership coaching earlier and counseling earlier to reveal my blind spots. And, you know, in those first few years, I probably alienated people. I didn't need to alienate. I know that the beginning of ministry was was hard on my marriage as well. And so I would accelerate the coaching, like just being open and, and the counseling, really getting to the heart uh, a lot faster. And I would say too, I probably didn't have the security at the time as a young leader to really be open to what people wanted to say. I mean, you got to be fairly secure to let people look into your life and say, hey, you need to change this or you need to change that. Or, hey, when you behave this way in a meeting, do you know you can alienate people? And, and I'm not sure I was there. Now, God blessed it anyway, but I would just get coaching and I would get um, counseling earlier. So that's, that's what I would do. All right, we're going to jump over to Joshua. And he is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Gary, this is Joshua Knoll from Charlotte, North Carolina. Love your blog. Love your podcast. Just started a blog of my own, joshuanoll.net. I was still trying to get acclimated in how I really like to set that up and everything. My question for you is actually pertaining more towards leadership and social media. Um, with the way everything is now, I find that I'm more in a relationship with my people I'm leading through written mail, through emails, Facebook, blog posts, you know, whatever. And I was just wondering, how would you say that the dynamic of leadership has changed through the availability of these, almost the necessity 
of these outlets. All right. Thanks for listening and I look forward to hearing from you on your podcast. Yeah, Josh, I'm so glad you raised it. And we can all relate. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we all had one inbox, right? It was called email. That was all we had. And then I guess you had the mail mail, but like who really contacted you that way? And then social media came along and Facebook added an inbox and then Twitter added direct messages and used to be 140 characters. Now it's whatever. There are even direct messages on Snapchat, on Instagram. I mean, everywhere. And so suddenly all of us have multiple inboxes, LinkedIn, I go in every six months and just delete everything in LinkedIn and add some friends. and That's it. Like, I mean, it's really challenging. And I think on the positive side, it does give people access to you, but, but it becomes overwhelming. It's kind of like giving the world your cell phone number. And then, you know, it's buzzing every time you're trying to sit down and have dinner with your family. So a couple of thoughts. Number one, you know, the, the larger your church or the larger your sort of sphere of influence or relationships, the more challenging that's going to be. So, you know, where I am right now, it's very, very challenging. And I have a private inbox and a public inbox. And I always thought that was stupid until you eventually get so much email that you can't stay on top of it. And I think you can, you can train your congregation and you can train your audience to behave in certain ways. So, you know, one of the reasons I do episodes like this and I do the podcast is because I don't have the time. Or let me put it this way. I have the same amount of time as everybody. I could spend my time, you know, calling you, Josh, and then calling Chris and calling the next person and like answering those questions one at a time. Or I could batch it. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure you're not the only person struggling with this. Thousands of people hear this answer. So that's a more efficient use of time. So I bank all of these voicemails and then I kind of batch answer them from time to time in in bonus episodes to my podcast. So that's one way you can look at it. The other way, and I mean, this is an issue of scale. It's just at a certain point, you just have to accept that you're not going to be able to be available for everyone the way they want you to be available. And so I would look at your systems. You know, once you get past 200, small groups are non-negotiable. I mean, if all the pastoral care is going to flow through you, that is going to stunt the growth of your church. And so I think 98% of pastoral care is having someone who cares. And so it doesn't have to be you. It can be somebody in your church. And, you know, if somebody was in a car accident or somebody had a health scare or somebody had, you know, crisis that they're navigating or they needed advice for something happening at work, to have a small group of people with a trained leader that they can go to and have the dialogue, your mail is going to go down. So I lead, you know, a church that has 2,500 people who call at home and I don't get a lot of congregational mail anymore. I, I get some. And why is that? It's, it was a lot more when it was like four or 500 people. It's because now we have systems for that. And we have, um, you know, people who, who care for each other and it's all decentralized and scaled. And so only the really big stuff comes to me. And I think that's really healthy and it allows you to reach more people. The other thing I would say, Josh, is you can't choose when people message you, but you can choose when you respond. So if you behave in a certain way that you've got all the notifications on your phone, which I think is a terrible idea, I turn most of mine off, um, but every time somebody emails you, you know, your phone pings, or every time you get a direct message on Facebook, you know, the notification goes off and you respond right away, you're, you're basically behaving like the fire department. It's just like every time you get an alarm, you rush out. Well, people come to expect that and you, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what, what I would suggest is don't do that. I mean, you, you definitely should not do that. I mean, just because somebody messages you at seven o'clock when you're having time with your kids doesn't mean you have to respond. 
wait until the next day, wait until business hours, answer your inbox two or three times a week. And people will get used to the fact that, hey, I am going to get back to you. It's just not going to be right now. Um, so really, you kind of determine whether you're on call or not. And frankly, I, I want to be able to have dinner with my family. Uh, phone notifications, huge deal too. I personally would turn as many off as possible, even though every app you download wants you to put them on, just turn them off and your phone doesn't buzz. You can go into it when you want rather than having it hijack your day again and again. Okay, next question. Hi, Carrie. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. and I have a high regard for your wisdom and insight. I've been in ministry for about three and a half years and have no doubt I've been called to lead and serve. My question, however, is how do you handle the joy of being called into ministry, but the disappointment that your wife isn't? You see, I work at a small church where there's only a few of us on staff. Virtually everyone else on staff have spouses who are just as enthusiastic about supporting them in ministry and giving time and many other resources. But I'm often disappointed that my wife isn't interested in serving alongside me in children's ministry in the capacity that I see other staff members being supported by their spouses in their areas of ministry. While I know God has called me to the place where I currently am, I can't help but have a heavy longing in my heart that my wife would catch vision like other staff members' spouses have at our church. Hey, thanks a lot, Carrie. Jim, man, that's a hard one. I, I, I got to tell you, my heart broke when, when I heard your situation. Um, I don't know what to say other than I just think you have to be united on that one. Like I, I can't imagine doing what I've done in leadership without the full support of my spouse. Now, she has been fundamentally supportive of everything I've done. There are seasons where it's been hard. There are seasons where she's not supportive maybe of my action, like you're gone too much or you've overscheduled yourself. But she has always been fundamentally a partner in this. And, and to be straight up honest with you, I don't know how to do that if you're not on the same page. In fact, I would, I would look at it almost at the calling level. Like if your wife isn't perceiving the calling that you are, is that actually a calling? Now, I'm not saying you're not called to ministry, but my suggestion to you would be I would get to a counselor sooner rather than later, and I would do the hard work of getting to the bottom of it and seeing if you can get some kind of agreement. So find a really good Christian counselor, and that might mean you have to amend things. That might mean that there's some other issue. You know, sometimes... There's another problem in your marriage, but it manifests itself as, well, I don't support you being in ministry. I also think, Jim, that, that this is probably true, that what haunts you privately will eventually haunt you publicly. Like, it sounds like you haven't been doing this too, too long, but I mean, if this goes on for a decade or 15 years, like it's, it's going to be a serious limit to your leadership. So I would just chase that down and do whatever you need to do to get to the bottom of it prayerfully. Find a good Christian counselor, uh, go see him or her and, and see where that lands. Man, tough one. I'll tell you, I hope if you're the praying kind who listens to this, would you take a moment and pray for Jim? I, I will do that as well. All right, on to the next question. Hey, Carrie, this is Andrew Walker. I am currently the discipleship pastor at one church in North Carolina and then the lead pastor of a replant that our church is engaged in as well. A question that I have often wanted to ask several leaders is, uh, how do you organize your time? 
on a day-to-day basis, what does your day look like? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thanks. Appreciate it very much. Love the podcast. Andrew Walker. Hey, one of our staff members is Andrew Walker, better known as Andy Walker. So (laughs) that's kind of cool. Hey, um, how do I organize my day? Another one of my top questions. This must be the top question bonus podcast because it's like, what would you do differently if you were starting again? And how do you get everything done that you get done? Well, interestingly enough, later this year, I've got a brand new time management course coming out called The High Impact Leader, where I share everything. I mean, I took months to write this thing. It is the entire secret sauce. It's coming out. Watch for it at the end of 2016. It's called The High Impact Leader. It's a video course with a workbook that will help you completely reorganize your time, your energy, and your priorities. And I'm so excited about it. But let me give you a couple of shortcuts until then, okay? One of the things, one of the units in The High Impact Leader is all about a fixed calendar. And that was revolutionary for me. I don't know if that's an actual term or not. It's just what I call it. But what I mean by that is every week, I've already decided what I'm going to do with my time. And I booked appointments with myself. So if you look at my calendar, every Monday, every Wednesday, and half of Friday is green. And green is my color for creative space, writing time. Because I know what will happen if I'm reactive and I just like respond to everything as it comes in. I'm going to fill up an entire week with meetings and things that really aren't my priority. They're somebody else's priority. And I'm not going to get the things done that, that I need to get done. And so I just find if I book writing time, if I book blogging time, if I book time to work on it, not in it, I get the most important things in my job done. Now, whatever your job happens to be, discipleship pastor, you know, maybe it's curriculum writing or maybe it's meeting with leaders or, you know, they're the leaders you should meet with as opposed to the leaders who ask to meet with you. You need to figure that out and you need to say, okay, what are the most important deliverables in my job? And then you need to deliver them. And the best way I know how to do that is to actually book that ahead of time. And then when somebody says, hey, what are you doing Friday? It's like, oh, sorry, man, I got a commitment. Now, you don't have to tell them you're working on a future series or you know, you're meeting with key leaders, or maybe that's your day off and you're just going to take a day off and you're going to relax. But you know, again, your, your spare time disappears. So I would move to a fixed calendar. That's really important. And I would go proactive, not reactive. That would be the other thing I would say. You need to decide what's most important. You need to set the time for it. And most people live in reactive mode. Most people are just like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do this week. And then, you know, their inbox fills up and they get 50 texts and people want this and people want that. And you go into the office, you know, and everybody's knocking on your door and the day's over and you've got nothing done. Man, you just, you've got to take control and you've got to decide, no, this is what I'm going to accomplish today. And, you know, close your door or work off site as I do often. That's what I would do. So anyway, that and a whole lot more coming out in a few months in the High Impact Leader. If you're on the Orange Tour this fall, if you're in one of the cities, that resource is available to you, advanced copies of it. Uh, so make sure you can pick it up there and it'll be widely available to everybody at the end of this year. So super excited about that. Okay. Final question for the first day of the bonus podcast for our second podcast anniversary week, and it comes from Steve Brown. Hey, Carrie, my question is, when do you know when it is time to let a team member go for not being aligned with your church's vision and mission and strategy? Uh, I read your blog post on that and just how there is, you know, there's a fine line between when they are going rogue uh, versus being a critical independent thinker and just curious how you could help 
a church who may be struggling with that with some people um, being really aligned and uh, moving the church forward and not always being stuck maybe two steps behind. Thanks a lot. Steve, that's a well-framed question. And yeah, that's tough. You know, when is it alignment and when is it independent thought? I just think, because you really made me think with that question. I think an aligned person criticizes different things than a rogue leader. Because the real fear in independent thought is that you end up with a leader who takes your organization in a random or different direction, right? That's what rogue leaders do. And independent thinking is great. But an aligned person will criticize things differently than a rogue person. You see, a rogue leader will question the mission, vision, and strategy, and he or she will ruin the culture. And the reason they ruin the culture is because they're questioning the mission, vision, and strategy. And eventually it becomes disloyal, not just to you as a leader, but to the organization. And so independent thought that is unaligned, that is not aligned, really ruins things. And you've got to be so, so careful of that. Now, an independent thinker, you know, somebody who's just like, no, I'm fundamentally aligned, but I'm an independent thinker. They make the mission and strategy and the culture better because they're not working on, should we be doing this? They're like, how do we do this better? And they're coming at the same problem that you're coming at, and they're coming at it with fresh eyes. So if they're thinking independently, if they're thinking like just in a fresh way, but they're fundamentally aligned, that is completely different. A rogue leader will take you to the left, to the right, up, down, sideways, like they'll take you off mission. And because they don't really care about the mission, they've got their own mission, they got their own vision. But an independent thinker is just going to make the mission better. So that's, that's what I'd say, Steve, and I, I hope that's helpful. Well, that's it for day one of these bonus episodes. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't done that yet because you'll get tomorrow's directly in your inbox. And here's what we're going to cover tomorrow. Again, these are great questions. I get them all the time. I'm going to answer what are the benefits of being a North Point strategic partner and how do you become one? Uh, how do you recognize volunteers? I'm going to look at what does a strategic planning process look like for Connexus Church. Somebody's asking about how to keep 40 and 50-year-olds in the church because their church is so young. Um, somebody's complaining about all the committees they have at their church. How do they get out of that? And then I'm uh, going to talk to a new blogger who wants to get started and wants some tips. So that's going to be tomorrow. Again, We've got shows every day until next Tuesday. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Just go to iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. You can subscribe there for free and everything automatically loads every morning into your inbox. If you want more on today's episode, just go to the show notes. Go to kerrynewhoff.com. We've got free show notes for you there. And if today's episode has been helpful, would you leave a rating and review on iTunes? That would be great. And make sure you share it with friends. Email it, uh, link it on your social media. Uh, we would just love to get the word out. And I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.